mighty king of the earth. I bless you, Jesus Christ, and I worship you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. In Jesus' name. Everybody said praise the Lord. Praise you have a Bible this morning. Turn your attention to the Word of God. Look at the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation. It's certainly good to be in the house of the Lord with all of you this morning. Appreciate each of you coming out to God's house. Is there anybody that does not speak English? don't, we'll try to get it to you in your language. All right. I'm in Revelation chapter 21, very end of the Bible. Chapter 21. Everybody said hallelujah. All right, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, or take a look, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, these words are true and faithful. Everybody said amen. amen. All right. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. In your Bible, the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, I was not disobedient. That's a good thing in itself. Just go that far and stop right there. I was not disobedient. That's a good thing. Uh, but he said, I was not disobedient unto the heavenly vision. And I'd like to work on a bit, little bit this morning on getting a better vision. A better vision. You know the book of Hebrews in your Bible. The key word is better. It's a better hope. It's a resurrection, but he called it a better resurrection. All right? The things that come from our loving God in comparison to anything else, what he gives to us, his church, is better. It's better. And I want you to uh, realize that this man's name was Saul, and uh, he was following a vision, but it was not a better vision. It was an inferior vision. He was fighting the church, and all the time he was doing it, he thought he was right. No wonder it is written 
There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. But all the while it seems like a good idea. Seems like you're right. But in God's eyes, who is the judge, then he, he viewed it differently. He judged it differently. He looked at it and said, this is wrong. This is bad. This is not of me. I'm not behind this. I'm not sponsoring this. Uh, you can say that God told you thus and so, when all the while God is shaking his head and said, no, I didn't. Said, no, I'm not. So it's the, tr the flesh is very easily tricked by the devil. Uh, the flesh is weak and it's very susceptible to the, the wrong spirit directing it, or shall we say misdirecting it. And the flesh is like water. It, it, runs, to the, it runs the path of least resistance. It runs downhill. And it, that's what happened to, to Jonah, didn't it? Jonah got in the flesh, he wouldn't obey God, and he wound up constantly going down. Every time he turned around, it's another downward plunge for him. And we don't want to be flowing down. We rather would we'd be looking and going up. All right? And so I want you to understand that Saul had a lot of religious training knew things about the Bible, and, um, but he misplaced his faith, he misplaced his zeal, and for some reason he, some reason, well, that old evil spirit, that serpent, the devil, he, uh, he wound up being angry with God's people, with the church, and he was just doing it wrong. God was judging it as wrong, and the day came when God dealt with him. You should be glad when God deals with you. You should be glad that God loves you to the point that he will deal with you. Now, your flesh isn't going to be happy with it. You know, your flesh is going to be resistant. Your flesh is going to be uncomfortable. Your flesh is going to try to be defensive. And you could wind up arguing with God. It is written also in the book of Acts that there, there was a wise individual that stood up in the midst of different people that were claiming their religion. They were, they were saying that they were right. And they were fighting against God's will and God's church, God's true church. Just because you have a building got some people in it doesn't make it a church, not Jesus' church. It could be a congregation. <laughs> Dream one time of uh, about a the service. It was a funeral service. Invited to uh, this man, this preacher I know. He was invited to um, and was asked to please come and officiate for this funeral. And he was preparing to go and as he went to bed that night, he had a dream. And in the dream, he said he was walking down the center aisle of a church house and he said that to the right and to the left were snakes. They were just moving. and They were hissing at him. And he was walking right down the middle of them until he got to the casket. And uh, came to find out, he told me later, that when he went there and he officiated for this person who had passed away, that 
Everybody in the congregation were infidels. They were atheists. They were people who did not believe in God. And that was what God had showed him. So, but, you know, those people thought they are right. And imagine they're in a church house, no less. Uh, you can wonder sometimes about how these things happen. Well, you might want to go back and try to figure out or wonder how war would break out in heaven. Think about that. Didn't that seem like a funny place for there to be war in heaven? But there it was. But the Lord cleansed the heavens. The Lord gave his angels that were obedient. He gave them a charge. And that was to thrust out, throw out Satan and his angels. And so they were. They were put out. That could seem, you know, there are people, I'm quite sure, that would judge God harshly. Oh, that wasn't a nice thing to do. Well, when you get cancer or other, some other form of sickness that would be, even could be judged a sickness unto death, then I don't think that you're, I know that you're not going to judge God or his church or the preacher with being too harsh when he casts that sickness out of you. Why, why weren't you nicer to Mr. Cancer? I don't think you're going to feel that way. I'm going to think you want that, that spirit out of your life, out of your system. That tumor, I think you're going to want that gone. Okay? That parasite that has found its way in, I'm quite sure you're going to want God to deal with that in a mighty and a powerful way. And everybody said amen. amen. A woman coming down the road with quite a little crowd behind her. She's following a, a wagon, so to speak, or a, a, some type of a vehicle that the, that the uh, mules are, are pulling along. And on it lays her dead son. Jesus comes up and rebukes the spirit of death. And the child sits up and is healed. I'm quite sure that the mother didn't in any way get upset with Jesus for how he dealt with death. I'm sure it was anything you say, Lord. Woo, that was great. Well, you've got to view your enemy, and you've got to recognize your enemy, and you've got to view him as he really is. The Apostle Paul became the Apostle Paul because Jesus Christ dealt with the spirit that was working in this man Saul's life. He was destroying Saul and using Saul to destroy the church. Jesus knocked Saul down to the ground. He just took him down. You know, some people need to be taken down. You can get high and lifted up. The Bible talked about not being a novice not being some kind of beginner, not being some type of inexperienced person, but that being a novice, 
you get lifted up with pride and fall into the condemnation of the devil. The devil doesn't bring anything good to your life. He brings nothing good. But he knows how to disguise things in his craftiness. But God takes the crafty in their craftiness. God sees the real thing. Okay, he sees the real thing. When he looked at Peter, and Peter was saying, not so, Lord. I'll protect you. I've got my sword. I'll protect you. I'm not going to let them take you and whip you and beat you and crucify you. And the Lord wheeled around and he said, get behind me, Satan. He realized that Satan had showed up right about then. And he was looking, if you please, through Peter. And he saw that spirit that was negatively affecting Peter's heart. He said, get behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. You offend me. Don't come in my presence. Don't come anywhere near me with that kind of nonsense and that kind of talk. His mind was made up. He had a purpose. He knew that there was, this was bigger. Some people are so selfish. They think it's only about them. They think it's only what they want. They don't see the big picture. They don't realize how many souls are at stake and that hell and the grave are never satisfied. That Satan wants more and more and more and more. He doesn't just want one tomato in your garden. He wants a whole garden. And you too. Oh yeah. So Jesus, Jesus rebuked the devil, his spirit that had showed up, to try to, to hinder him. A wonder the book said on his way to Jerusalem, on his way to the cross, full knowing that he had power to lay his life down. He had power to raise it up again. But before he could raise it up, he had to lay it down. That means he had to go to the cross. He had to submit to crucifixion, to whipping and beating, all kinds of things. He had to, he had to give himself to that uh, will of the Spirit. Now, isn't that what he prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane? The flesh praying out, not the will of the Spirit be done? And so he knew what was waiting for him at Jerusalem. And on the way... There were those right on the side that were trying to get him to go to the right or go to the left. Everybody said amen. There's always going to be those distractions. There's always going to be somebody that's trying to get your ear and talk to you and get into your head. And try to get you to turn your back or turn aside from the will of God going to be those that won't be happy about you coming to truth. going to be those that are going to be jealous or upset or have some kind of ulterior motive in mind. They got something that they're thinking they're going to get out of it if they could just get you not to go in that direction. And I'm telling you, the devil would allow you to go to any church, will allow you to believe any religious belief as long as it's not the truth. As long as it's not the truth. He hates the truth. Okay? He doesn't want you anywhere near being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Okay? One man that claimed to be a preacher of a certain denomination 
made the statement that he would rather be baptized in the name of a pig than be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Now what kind of spirit was influencing him? <laughs> you, you would look at that and what? You would say, oh, okay, well, that, okay, well, you know, that's the way you believe, okay. I think not. I think not. Do you ever read in the Bible, in the book of Titus, it said, rebuke them sharply, rebuke them soundly, because they were of a certain spirit, they were of a certain attitude, had to be dealt with. You get a little, a little green snake, about 12 inches long, and, and you know good and well that's just a garter snake. No big deal. No big deal. You might even just tell it to go its way. You might not pay it any money at all. Okay? Unless it got into your house, into your bathroom. Did you read uh, about the alligator that came in a woman's house, and she went, she went in her bathroom, and there was a big alligator. And he got in through the little doggy door. That was a rather shocking experience, huh? Old Mr. Alligator looking right at her. Got that mouth. I have all ideas she went screaming out of there. Want somebody to help. Well, you know, your Bible said, called the devil Satan, that old serpent. And that old serpent, he's not a little green, harmless garter snake. He, he can masquerade as that. He'd like for you to believe that he's harmless and that he's non-threatening and not lethal in any way. He's not going to just show himself for what he really is. That's why your Bible talks about him masquerading. Masquerading. He's going he's gonna to put on a costume. He's going to put on a certain look. He's going to make you think he's a messenger of light. I want you to get a vision of heaven. I want you to get a vision of heavenly things. I want you to see it for what the way it really is. I want the Lord to be able to, for you, to be able to take away the mask, take away the phony, take away the fake, and for you to see it like it really is. John the Revelator said, I saw it. He said, man, I saw it. He said, I, there was no sickness. There was no pain. There was no suffering. There was no death. I saw it. I saw it for how it's really going to be. The, and this man Saul, he got a little, he was very blessed to get such a visitation from Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ took him down. Sometimes the only thing that's going to save people from the devil and from themselves is the Spirit of God taking them down. You know, one poor woman, she wanted, to, she wanted to exercise herself unto one of the, all of God's gifts are great, but in the, in the greatness, there is the bottom rung of the great. And, and she wanted to get involved in something that I should say is easily imitated. And uh, so she gave off a, a little utterance, and then she wanted to give the interpretation of the utterance. And yes, there is a gift of tongues, and there is a gift of interpretation of tongues. There is the real thing, but the devil loves to imitate. And, and this woman said, in her interpretation, she said, um, get ye down off ye high horse and repair. Well, you know, sometimes the only thing you need to, to find out what's right and what's wrong is to hear some people's ignorance. 
and it reveals itself. You know, I don't think anybody had to scratch their head and say, I wonder if that was of God or not. I think everybody pretty much figured that one out. And uh, so there are, uh, there are some things, fortunately, that are very easily and very quickly discerned. I want to thank you for that, brother. Now everybody can turn their phones off all one time, and we won't have to worry about that anymore. And I know you can forget. I understand that. All right. So I'm saying to you, to be able to discern a spirit, to be able to, to get the right vision and not be fooled by the wrong vision. For the, the enemy, he showed Lot uh, a place to go that it, it looked like the garden of God, and it was anything but. It was not the garden of God. Everybody said amen. amen. Everybody said praise the Lord. Amen. Maybe we should take a brief recess and everybody answer our phones. That will... <laughs> See, I leave mine in the office. It wants to ring. It can ring to itself. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Okay, but I have been caught. Uh, sometimes I've left it clipped, and I remember having a prayer meeting with the church, and, and uh, my phone rang, and I, so I just said, well, I'll just go ahead and answer. I answered. I said, I'm in prayer. Goodbye. And I hung up. <laughs> I dealt with it very quickly, but uh, I didn't want that to be happening, you know, on, a, on any kind of regular basis. So I'm saying to you that... Uh, the old enemy, he's going to masquerade. He's going to paint a pretty picture. He's not going to show you the truth. He's going to seek to confuse you and get you to go in wrong directions, seek after wrong things. But all the while, he's going to make you think you're doing the right thing. But remember, once again, there is a way that seems right, seems like a good idea at the time. But the end of it, now there's your problem, the end of it is death. Where John's here at the end of things, the last book of the Bible and the second to last chapter, then he said, I, I saw it. I saw it. And it was, it was life. It was glorious. It was wonderful. It's everything that we should desire. But we've got this guy who hasn't got to the end yet. His name is Saul. He's riding around fighting. He's riding. He's just running his mouth, doing everything he can to agitate. Nothing better to do. So he... He gets a visitation. The Lord takes time to deal with this man. And he slaps him down. I have all ideas he didn't just get his face down there in the, in the dirt and the sand. He might have rubbed it in a little bit. Make sure you're going to get the message here. And, of course, this is when he said, Who art thou, Lord? Now, don't you love it? People will claim to know so much. I am a great man. I am this. I am that. I am that. You know, people have such a high opinion of themselves. I wonder if I told you about the preacher that told this on himself, that he had he'd gotten, he didn't admit it at the time, but he had gotten high and lifted up. He'd gotten proud. And he told the Lord, he said, Lord, show me how I am to you. Talk about a foolish request. So he went to bed that night, he had a dream. In the dream, he said, he's telling it now on himself. He said he, he saw these big horses go by, and on the horses were shining knights, knights in shining armor, and they just looked so powerful. And they went riding by, and he said in the dream, you could feel it. It was, it was like the ground was shaking, and the thunderous hooves that just pounded the ground as those horses and those, those knights went by, and 
And he, was, he said he was standing there in the dream looking. He said, oh, Lord, is that how I look to you? And the Lord said, no. He said, this is how you look to me. And the next thing he saw in the dream, he said, the guy was coming by on a mule. And he was kicking that mule for all it was worth. And the mule wasn't going anywhere. Just barely moved. He said, that's how you look to me. And he was like, oh. Yeah, oh. Well, Saul thought he was big stuff. And how the flesh will inflate you. How your mind can get all puffed up. But you know, my God is really good about puffing you down. <laughs> he can let the air out of your balloon or out of your sail. He can do that. And he always does it for our good. It's not like his idea of amusement is how I'm going to have fun today. Going to go around and pop some balloons. Oh, no. No, that's not. Our God has your, your, your end of your life. He has that in mind. He wants you to be with him for all of eternity. He wants you to have a vision of heaven and how great it's going to be. And if you could get that carrot out in front of you, that incentive, that vision out in front of you, then nobody could stop you. Nobody could keep you from being obedient. You'd shut your ears to what the, the people that, that influence you in such a negative way. You would absolutely run from them. Here's Saul on the ground. He's got his face in the, in the hot, burning desert sand on the road to Damascus. And he says, who art thou, Lord? So the Lord says, all right, time for the ABCs. He said, I am Jesus. Right away, I'm, I'm quite sure in Saul's mind that it dropped like a lead weight right into his stomach. Oh. That's the one I've been fighting. That's the one whose people I've been doing bad to. Man, I didn't think those were his people. Did I? Yeah, you did. You knew. You fought them. He said, um, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Now, see, if we could get that attitude adjustment going in that direction, things would start looking up. What, what would you like me to do? I'm, I'm, I'm through fighting. I'm through resisting. What would you have me to do? Well, I like what the Lord said. You know, because he's going to make sure that you learn that he is in control, not you. Not my will, but thy will. I'm going out of the will business. <laughs> no more self-will. No more my will. No more stubborn. No more hard-headedness. No more what I want. The Lord take you like, a, like a, a jar and just turn you upside down and shake it until everything is out. Be, the Lord said to him, It shall be told thee what thou must do. Everybody said, I must do this. I must repent of my sins. I must be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I must be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's what I must do. I got to quit fighting that. I got I to 
I got to quit reaching into, into the excuse barrel to find what I think is a way out. Why are you looking for a way out? If you get a vision of heaven, you're going to say, let me in. I promise you, nobody, nobody. Have you ever had a leak? Has anybody ever had a leak of pipes in your house? Been in a leak? Okay. Well, we're a leaky people, huh? <laughs> well, we used to call that building over in, uh, they used to call that building over in West Palm the leaky teepee. So um, I am saying to you that uh, when, when the uh, ark, Waited, long-suffering of God in the days of Noah. God had Noah build that ark. And God told him how to build that ark, by the way. And God said, you make sure you pitch it within and without. Because we don't want a leaky boat. So make sure you put this in there, just like I showed you. You do it like I tell you. God means what he says. He didn't want Noah be expecting to float and wind up sinking. Spend his whole life trying to bail out. Get, try to get the water out when it's coming in faster than I can get it out. Oh yeah. But Noah, the Bible said by faith, Noah moved with fear. A healthy sense of fear can be a very good way of keeping you between the lines. Keeping you from going out of bounds keeping you from going to the right and going to the left. And God forbid, backing up. Okay? And uh, remember, the fear or the respect that you have towards the Lord, the reverence, is the beginning of wisdom. Just the beginning. And so, this old ark, when the rains came, now nobody had ever seen rain. So, that made a challenge for them right there because he was telling them, it's going to rain. And they laughed. Some of them fell on the ground rolling, belly laughing. Noah's crazy. Building the biggest boat anywhere around. You know, when we were building the building and got it to where we got it, people, many people laughed and said, well, now all you got to do is fill it up. You know, there'll always be something, right? There'll always be a smart aleck in the crowd. There'll always be a heckler. There'll always be somebody saying, when, on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, uh, when they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. Everybody was excited and happy and absolutely drunk, but not on, on liquor. They were drunk on new wine. They weren't drunken on Kool-Aid. It was new wine. The Word of God, the power of God, the Spirit of God. We know what we're drinking and so, but there were those in the crowd that said, that's what they said. They said, these men are drunk. They're drunk. Falling down drunk. And the devil's always going to say something negative. Just don't let it be you that he speaks it through. Don't let it be you that he uses to fight against him and his word in the church. Don't let you, don't tell yourself, I don't want to be that instrument in the devil's hand. I don't want him to be able to use me. I don't want to have a smart mouth. I don't want to have a bad attitude. I don't, you know, some people, they cloak their bad attitude with humor. You know, they'll say something very negative and very cutting, and then they'll laugh. You know, it's all supposed to be a joke. But, you know, God knows the heart. And friend, when, when, the, when that rain began to fall, 
Noah had foretold of it. Noah had prophesied of it. And the rain began to fall. Forty days and forty nights of solid rain. And that ark began to rise. I'm telling you there's a church that's going to go out of here. You hear me now? And that ark began to rise. And nobody, nobody was coming around saying, I don't want to get on that old boat. Quite the opposite. The water began to get so deep. Told you about the leak, right? Well, the leaks, the pipes of the earth broke, burst. Fountains of the deep, the Bible said, begin to spew forth. So it's coming from above and it's coming from beneath. It's all closing in on them. And there, and here we are at the top of the highest mountain, and the water is going higher than that. Nobody was uh, hesitant anymore to knock on the door. That gang fight, that one door into the one ark, that everybody on it had one name. That name is, thank you, that name is Jesus. Nobody came around arguing then about, well, it's Father, Son, Holy Ghost. Nobody came around arguing about that. Nobody came around making up their own ideas. They were pounding on that door, let me in. But you see, God had shut the door. It was out of Noah's hands a preacher of righteousness who they laughed at and they mocked. It was out of his hands now. It had gone too far. Holding it up before God. Look, God, look, God, look at this case. Look at this person. I want to help this person. That's out of his hands. That's not your problem anymore. I'm going to take care of it. You don't know backed up right now. Okay, God. Gotcha. I heard you. I know that voice. I know that voice of authority. Gotcha. Okay. You know that time when God will absolutely take over a case? There are times when God will speak and God will act on a thing and then anybody can do anything. That's not a good place to get to. We're living in a time where we have an opportunity here. And you need to make the most of this heavenly opportunity to get the heavenly vision. I want you to have a vision of heaven. I want you to envision that there will be no sickness. Never have a headache, a backache, a toeache. Never, never have the flu. Never have cancer. Never have trouble seeing or hearing or speaking. Never. There'll be no aches and no pains. There'll be no sickness. You know why? Because there'll be no devil. That's why. Because he's the one that brings all of that. He's the one that brings every negative, hurtful thing, every affliction, every infirmity. You ever read in your Bible, it said, affliction does, doth not come from the dust. No, it don't come from the dust. It comes from the devil. That's where it comes from. He's the one. People want to blame God. Not God. God is your deliverer. God's the one that's going to rescue you. God's the one going to heal you. God's the one that's going to bless you, encourage you, save you. But you know, your Bible, the 
the Bible said that there was a certain individual, and that that individual, he, uh, he made sure that he was making out all right. He was doing okay. He was going to make sure that he had the look. Got everything good. Oh, yeah. Matter of fact, get worried about how much time he spent in the mirror. And uh, he, um, he enjoyed every day. He made sure of it. But the Bible said that uh, he got to looking at the church. And as he looked at the congregation of God, he looked down his nose at it. He, he disdained it. He looked, like Goliath looked at David. He just looked at it and disdained it. Ah, that's not for me. <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with that. That looks yucky. And, of course, the devil, he sure made sure that he saw it that way. Some people can only see the negative side of the important things. Do you imagine that everything was perfect on that ark going through those rough seas and that storm? Old Mr. Elephant got a bellyache on the, on the ark that day and he burped it up. Hmm? Mr. Skunk, somebody called me this morning and told me they had the upset stomach. Well, Mr. Skunk called Noah that morning and said, my stomach don't feel too good. Instead of praying, he started spraying. There's a little message in that. It's a whole lot better when you're praying than when you're spraying. All that gossip, all that, all that negativity. <laughs> and that, there was some time in that ark, and it didn't smell so good. Sometimes it odor wasn't very good. But all you had to do was peek out the window. Get a good glimpse of that, those dark clouds, that flashing lightning, and that rain pelting, pelting, beating away. And looking and seeing how deep the waters were. And how there was no terra firma. There was no land. There was no earth form. Nothing. The waters were higher than everything. Just an ocean. Ocean. Boy. Somebody woke up and said, you know what? I, I can't stand that old brother elephant. I can't stand Sister Skunk. But as bad as they are, better to be here with them than out in that storm. I think I'll just fluff my pillow a little bit and hang on. Hang on. I think I'll just give thanks. You read that in the Bible? In everything, give thanks. Yes, sir. Find something, and it shouldn't take you. You don't need a magnifying glass. Find something in your mind that you can praise God about. And I'm going to tell you what. If, if you're having trouble doing that, there are, there are hospitals that you might want to visit. There are, there are people that are living in very difficult circumstances that you might want to go visit them. There are people at cemeteries. Let me tell you something. You get the Holy Ghost. Get baptized in Jesus' name. You take a little stroll through the cemetery. You won't feel too good. Matter of fact, you might hear something that will shake you. 
you might get a good, healthy dose of reality. Reality. Here's a guy, person, individual, just looking down at the church. Somehow, he's always got, she's always got some way of justifying why not. Going to have a why not. Can't think of any reason why I'd want to get involved with that. And that's how he was. And uh, he looked at everything. She looked at everything. And said, no way. They view, and of course, people always are natural, so they always look at the outward. Ain't no way I'm going to dress like that. Ain't no way I'm going to be like that. And so, but it came to pass, you know, that, and it will, that the church, the church is going to be gone. The church is going to be gone. The congregation of God is going to be gone. It's not this building. It's, it's people who make up the church, people who are born again, people who did what they must do, what they were told to do, people who repented, people who got baptized in Jesus' name, people who got filled with the Holy Ghost, people who lived from Romans to Revelation and were taught to live an overcoming life. You know, and they, they let the Spirit of the Lord and the church through, the, through the, the work of God pound away at them and shape them and mold them and make a better Holy Ghost person out of them. Those people are going to be caught up. And they're not going to be there anymore. Because the angels, the reapers, will have come. The first resurrection will have taken place, and blessed and holy is he that hath part in that first resurrection. Commonly referred to by many as the rapture. Okay? But let me tell you something. It's also going to come to pass that the complainer, the hater of God, or the religious person, filled with religion. You know, there's such a thing as a religious devil. And they, they, those people are, are going to, uh, they're going to die. And they're going to be buried. And they're not going to have a heavenly vision. They will have refused that heavenly vision. They got a vision of something else now. Matter of fact, it went beyond a vision. It became, this is where I'm at and this is what it is. The Bible said in, in hell, hell lifting up high. Oh, man. I don't like what I'm seeing. Too late now. Too late now. Being in torments, the book said, and, and seeing the church afar off. Seeing individuals that you knew was in the church, see them afar off. And you're going to join that crowd that cries out for mercy. And then you're going to hear a big laugh because you see the devil does not possess mercy. He doesn't have that. He doesn't have that. One time I was in the mall years and years ago, and uh, I was passing by, and something caught my attention. I looked, and I saw a young lady that was a part of the church here. Her mother brought her, 
and uh, I saw her at the counter. And, and I, I could just tell that there was a little something going on. And so I just stopped, and I went on in, and I went up, walked up to the counter, and I said, hey. And I knew her name, of course, and I said, hey, how you doing? She said, okay. And so I looked at the salesperson, and she looked at me and said, doesn't have enough money. And I said, oh. I said, how much? And she said, I gave the money over. And I clapped her on the shoulder, and I said, you know, the preacher can save you in more ways than one. And I just turned around and walked back out. And uh, so I am saying to you that, that the church can help you to get a vision of heaven, to get a, a good vision, a happy vision, a vision of you being saved, you being delivered out of your present problem. This individual is looking for mercy, and there is no mercy with the devil. He doesn't have it. Just like that little lady. She, no matter how many times she looked through that purse, it wasn't changing. There just wasn't any money in there. There wasn't enough money. Look and look and look and look and look until everybody's embarrassed, but it ain't there and ain't there. And the devil, he's not even going to bother looking for mercy because he knows he doesn't have it. He doesn't have the qualities and the characteristics that God has. You're looking in the wrong direction. You're looking to the wrong one that you're asking something of. Doesn't have it. Doesn't. In asking for mercy from hell, imagine that. The thing that we should ask for now, don't wait till you're in the wrong place and then get motivated. It'll be too late. You've got to get the motivation now. You've got to awaken now going to be sad for some young girls and some young guys. They're going to wind up in the wrong place. And, and then it's going to come flooding back because there's one thing I can tell you. Not, there's not going to be any mercy in hell. There's not going to be any love in hell. There's not going to be health in hell. There's not going to be any fun in hell. But along with the torment, Part of the torment is going to be you don't have your memory. You're going to have your memory. And you're going to remember services. You're going to remember the power of God. You're going to remember how you didn't hardly have to think about it, man. It was just there, thick. You're going to remember that. You're going to remember opportunity after opportunity to catch the heavenly vision. I want you to catch it now while you're alive. While you're breathing, while you have the opportunity, catch it now. Hell is not a place to joke about. It is not something to, to take your fear and wrap it in some kind of humor and make a joke out of it. Hell is a serious, it is the most serious subject. Believe me, it is the most. Wanting Mercy, where there is none. Wanting, could you, um, those people I looked down on, those other girls that I made fun of that were in the church, those guys that I made fun of, they were in the church, could you ask one of them to just dip their finger in a little water and come touch the end of my tongue because I'm parched here in this torment. This is terrible. Oh, yeah. Tip of the finger. Oh, Lord, cool my tongue. 
I am tormented in this flame. Now, if you, I hope you don't, except from 9.15 and 9.30 on Sunday morning. Other than that, I hope you don't, because it's filled with people who will tell you falsehood. They'll tell you there is no hell. And they'll, they'll, they'll tell you hell is a, a garbage dump. They'll come up with all kinds of, but you know, and, and, and of course they'll tell you that the Bible, that's just a parable. And when they say it like that, what's the difference between saying that and saying it's just a, a lie? You know? You know, when you say a parable, you better remember that English literature and Bible teaching are two very different things. And all those definitions for English literature are very good for when you're in school doing those studies. But when you come to the Word of God, you want to call something a parable, and I'm not against that. You better get a Bible definition. It is an illustration of truth. It's not designed to give you a fuzzy little story that you can learn a little something from and then dismiss it and never have to do that again. No, this is not just a life lesson. This is an eternal life lesson. When Jesus said that there was a certain man or woman, he was not telling you a story. He was pulling the file out and saying, oh, yes, let me read to you this one. The only reason he didn't give the name in some cases was to show himself gentleman. A lot of names he could call, and there are places where he did call them. Apostle Paul, oh, how did we get that Apostle Paul? How did, he, how did we, because he submitted, didn't he? He submitted. He said, I've been doing it wrong. I've been running around, running my mouth and saying bad things and treating things, people wrong in the church. I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. What will you have me to do? Well, you must do this, okay. You must do okay. You must okay. I got it. I'm, I'm willing here. But this guy, he got his change of heart too late. He wanted mercy and there was none. He wanted some water, couldn't get it. Couldn't get it. He got, he got preached a sermon, though. He got taught a lesson that he should have got right here. But he had to wait till he got locked up to get the lesson. He said, between where we're at up here, happy, happy, and where you're at down there, not happy at all, in torment, in flame, 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 you know. Oh, ain't no hell. Flame, torment. I believe the Bible. I don't, I don't want to hear from people that try to tell me. I had a preacher one time riding him to the airport, and he started telling me what all this and what all that. And, I, and, you know, we wound up driving in circles. And the reason we drove in circles was so I could preach him a good sermon. I, I believe that. I firmly believe that. <laughs> I said, man, I said, I got to tell you something. You are offending me. I said, because everything you're saying, you're tearing down what the Bible teaches, what we believe. And I said, you're supposed to be one of us. What's wrong with you? You've been reading too many books. You've been listening to too many false prophets. It's affected you negatively. It's robbing you of faith. 
This fella wakes up. He's in torment. He's in flame. He's in pain. He's in misery. And he wants to get out of where he's at and get where they're at. Only it was too late because he was told he was preaching a little sermon. He said there's a great gulf between us so that we, like we would want to, pass from where we're at to where you're at. can't do that. And where you're at, you can't leave there and get to where we're at. Which I'm sure everybody there would like to do. God means what he says. Now that flesh, that prepared body, took it all. All the stripes on the back, all the pressing of the thorns into his head, all the spitting and the mocking, wounded and bruised, nailed to a cross, he did it all until he cried it is finished. The scripture teaches very plain that the spirit withdrew from that body what was left of it. And three days later, re-entered that body, raised it up. Okay? And that took place. And you need to grasp the reality of that because he made the heavenly vision possible then for all of us. You can have what Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross for. There's a lot of things in life that I can't have. There are a lot of things I can't afford. Granted, some things I don't want. Now, I got one brother who's always talking to me about a helicopter. He's a pilot. He wants to helicopter me all over so I don't have to drive so far. And I told him, well, nothing less than a Jet Bell helicopter will do. I told my wife the other day, I said, you know, if you just let me buy Donald Trump's 727 that he's selling, and this trip could be shortened. Big joke among us, right? And uh, so I'm, I, I, I'm saying to you, there's a lot of things that don't really care about and certainly can't afford. But uh, this is affordable. This is something I do care about. And I'm glad for the day in my life when God allowed me to care. I'm glad when he took me down. I'm glad when he, he put his foot on my neck. And he said, now you're going to listen to what I've got to say. What wilt thou have me to do? Who are you? He said, I'm Jesus. You're fighting against me. Who, me? Yeah, you. Okay. Fighting a stubborn attitude. I'm fighting because I'm not yielding to what your word says. I always got an excuse. I can, I can talk about this or talk about that or why not this or why not that. How about we talk about the whys? Why this? Let's talk about the positive side. Why this? Why, how come you don't run and embrace the name of Jesus Christ? Why won't you embrace the outpouring of his spirit? Why won't you embrace him as the giver of life, the lover of your soul? You're too busy getting all them other lovers, and they're messing you up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I just got told about a, a young man. Went to the doctor. doctor said, you've got five Communicatable diseases. Wow. Oh, yeah. You know, we don't have to, that are in the church, have this great, we don't have to go to the doctor and get a test and come out and say, oh, look, you account that, but look, look at my slip of paper. I, I'm clean, I'm clean. We don't have to do that. I got my slip of paper. It says I was baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm clean. 
I'm clean. I'm washed in the blood. Got the gift of the Holy Ghost. So I no longer participate in risky behavior. I don't have a desire for that. Because I have the gift of the Holy Ghost. And, and, and I'm not going to get near some guy or some girl that's not in the church. I'm not stepping outside that boat into that storm. Oh, no. Yeah, but I smell some. Yeah, well, buddy, what's smelling in here is a whole lot better smell than what's out there. Man. Okay, well, I'd never do that. Yeah, well, you just keep doing your video texting and looking at those images that you shouldn't be looking at. You keep fishing in waters that you shouldn't be dropping your hook in. You hear me? You get in the church, you get baptized in Jesus' name, you get the gift of the Holy Ghost, you better keep listening because there's a lot from Romans to Revelation to teach you how to stay saved, how to stay out of trouble. Amen. Amen. How to stay out of hell. Hell fire. That's a Bible term, terminology. Oh, yeah. He said, come on now. He said, let me, let me give you a little message here. He said, son, daughter, said, remember that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things. And the church, the church went through a lot of battles. The church went through a lot of affliction. So you got, you got the, the good side of things. You, you just indulged yourself and did whatever you wanted to do. Said, no. He said, but now... Now the church is in comfort. Oh, the church is embracing the heavenly realm. Now the church is feeling no pain. Church is happy. Church is in light. Church is rejoicing. Church is absolutely ecstatic. All caught up in the joy of God. He said, and thou art tormented. Thou. And beside all this, I'm telling you, there's a big gulf between us. You can't come where we're at. We sure don't want to come where you're at. So there'll be no passing. So then, then, then comes the voice back from hell and says, well, well I, I, I pray thee. Oh, now you want to pray. Couldn't get you the altar. No one got you there. Open your mouth. Praise him. Did I pray thee therefore? Father, I pray thee. I want to pray now. Where were you at 6 o'clock the other morning? I said, I, I want to pray now. Well, now is now. Let's do it now. But he said, I, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou, that you'd send somebody back to my, my father's house, my mother's house. Send somebody back to my friends. Send somebody back. In other words, this person is now expressing a burden. You couldn't get that person to visitation when visitation was going on. Well, I got quiet. Is this what they call, you could hear a pin drop? Oh, brother. Well, this guy was ready for visitation. He had a burden for visitation. 
I have, I have five brothers. Could you? They, they clearly need to be testified to. Somebody needs to tell them not to come here. Not to come here. Not to come where? You know that place I joked about. Said I was going to go to hell and have a party with everybody. I was going to bring my nine. You're going to bring nine people with you. You ain't gonna, a gun ain't going to do you any good. It don't do you no good here, and it ain't going to do you no good there. Got news for you. It's just, it's just you got the wrong vision. Just that you've got the wrong mental concept here. You're being led by the wrong spirit. And you're too stubborn and dumb and thick-headed to realize it. Now, I wouldn't be talking about anybody here now, would I? Of course not. Of course not. I got, I got people. I need you to testify. Tell them not to come here. This is a place of torment, he said. He got the answer back. He said, well, you know what? We got 66 books there filled with all kinds of things. We got Moses. We got all these different ones. He said, and, and uh, if they're not going to listen to them, it's not going to do any good if one raised from the dead. Raised from the dead, we already got one raised. Jesus rose from the dead. Well, why do we need another? Do you know that God has many times, many times raised people from the dead? Many times. Raised him from the dead. And you, and you know what? For about two seconds, it had a good effect on some people. <gasps> Praise God. I'm going to go to church. And maybe they'll make one service. Maybe. And then it's right back to the same old hog. Right back. This, this is designed for you to get a heavenly vision to where, like Jesus, heading up to give his life at Jerusalem, there's folks, folks just pulling on. Folks just pulling on. Come on, Jesus. Come over here, man. We got a party going on over here. Come on, Jesus. Yeah. Oh, let's go this way. We're going to do something over here. You know, get you going back. Get you going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But the Bible says that when Jesus looked at them in such a way, that they saw that he was determined. Do people see determination in you? Do people see that you're determined to go to heaven? That you're determined to live for God? If you could ever get your determination, you've got it. The only problem is when you use it for the flesh, then it's stubbornness. But if you could turn that into a positive thing, get it going for the right things in the right direction, then we can have a determination. Paul said, I am determined not to know anything among you save Jesus, except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I had a guy come in my office the other day. And he brings this other guy. I didn't know they were here. They, I thought he was coming. I get here and there's another guy sitting next to him. And they proceeded to give me this spiel. And you know, those spiels, the bottom line is always money. And um, Telling me, and I said, so you want me to do thus and so and thus and so and thus and so, right? I said, why are you asking me? I said, he's your man. Why are you asking me? Well, we know you're a man of vision. I said, my vision is very narrow. My vision is to save souls and build churches to fill them up with more people who need to be saved. I'm not doing anything else. Nothing else. Don't want to do anything else. Amen. Don't want to do anything else. 
Somebody said, praise the Lord. He said, if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. God has caused people to rise from the dead, and they still weren't persuaded. They still weren't persuaded. Beyond the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, which should be enough, certainly more than enough. But God has raised people from the dead. We had one dear old sister that, that died, and uh, family just praying and praying and praying all around the deathbed, praying, praying, praying. Popped straight up. Looked at him and said, Why did you bring me back? Why did you do that? I had embraced the heavenly vision. I was there. Why did you bring me back? Why did you do this? I was so happy. Everything was so great. Oh, yeah. yeah. But, you know, in spite of doing that and some people witnessing that, some of those people did not live for God, and they did not embrace the heavenly vision. They did not go to heaven. You have to get the vision. Paul said, who was Saul, who was fighting, okay, and he was causing people to kill people, you know, it's all fun and games until somebody dies, isn't it? Everybody said amen? Let's stand together. It's all fun and games till that fella died and lifted up his eyes in hell, being in torment. Till that young lady screamed out and couldn't get any, any relief from the flame and the torment and the pain and the misery and the memory. That just pounded away, pounded away. Everybody say praise the Lord. I'm in the red here. I know that everybody would rather that I would preach happy, happy. But I am preaching happy, happy too. I'm trying to tell you, avoid the unhappy. Avoid that which is is the place you do not want to wind up in and embrace that place that's called heaven where you'll be with Jesus for all of eternity. There's no rebellion worth missing heaven over. There's no having your way worth missing heaven over. There is absolutely nothing short of heaven that is worth it. Not the color of your junk that you want to employ in your life. I saw a girl get out of a car the other day, and I was calling scenes to tell I said, I, I wish you could look at what I'm looking at. I was looking at a hot pink mop on a girl's head. Hot pink. Not streaked even. Just total. Ringling Brothers had come to town. But, you know, some people do something like that, and it makes them feel like a million dollars. And I wanted to say in the million dollars is counterfeit. Not worth anything. It's a deception. And that's what the enemy does. He deceives. He deceives. You better see that old serpent for just how dangerous he is. You better see him for how poisonous he is. He wants to poison your mind. 
You know, there is a lot of particularly young people that are called cutters, and they're cutting themselves. What does that tell you? That tells you that they are so unhappy. And I'm trying to get you to embrace the happiest vision if you could, just like the man Abraham, the father of faith, if you could be fully persuaded of the truth. I told you about the grandmother that got the Holy Ghost one Sunday morning. She turned around and looked at her granddaughter and said, why didn't you tell me it was so good? The kid's going, I tried, Grandma. I tried. We're trying to tell you. Stop fighting us. Stop resisting us. Stop bringing yourself closer and closer to the edge of torment for all of eternity where you'll forever, world without end, be in torment and misery because you had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity that God was more than good and the church was more than tolerant of your, of your attitudes. Trying to overlook it. Trying to pull you out. You read that in the Bible? You told the church that if we pull one out of the fire, just one, that we save a soul from death. Everybody said amen. I want you to see what John saw. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Not going to be all the shaking of the heavens. Not going to be any tsunamis and earthquakes. Not going to be any disease. Not going to be any of those things. He said it was a new heaven and a new earth. He said, wherein dwelleth righteousness. It's not going to be any more of this pain and suffering and sickness and torment. Not going to be, not for the people that embrace the heavenly vision. That's just not going to be there anymore. There'll be no devil. The source of it all that's wrong. He won't be there. I'm so glad he's not going to be there. I'm glad God kicked him out of heaven. Amen. Somebody could have said, well, that's my favorite angel. Well, I'm glad God dealt with your favorite angel and got him out of here. Amen. I'm glad for God's mighty power. I'm glad for when he makes a whip and turns tables over and absolutely makes it crystal clear my house is a house of prayer. Not going to be a den of thieves. Not letting that old serpent get in here. Come on now. Let's take a moment. Let's lift our hearts with our hands. It's because of you that he manifests his great power and his great glory to save you from sin, to save you from cancer, to save you from hell, to present you to that heavenly place.
हो 